David said in the Psalms, I joyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me. I wonder today, have you given thanks to the Lord for the privilege of being here in His house and with the opportunity we have of giving thanksgiving and praise to His name? Well, our opening hymn this morning is number 17, Praise the Savior, ye who know Him, who can tell how much we owe Him. Gladly let us render to Him all we are and have. Let the joy of the Lord flood your heart this morning, and as we stand to worship Him, enter in with all your soul and with all your heart. Let's stand to praise Him. seated. Well, that last stanza of that hymn, you can sense in the author his idea of what he is now on this earth and what he has been changed into by the Lord's great grace. We've been brought out of sin and we have been brought into the light and the truth of Christ. And yet in this Christian journey that we have, there is still the process of of becoming more and more like our Lord, and that process is sometimes slow for us, yet it is going forward, and it's by God's grace that it's doing. And we know that when we come to that time and that day when we will be with with the Lord, He has promised that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And that is that one day the hymn writer was talking about here that we will be like our Lord. Let's come now, please, to bow in prayer and commit our service of worship, preparing our hearts in this time of worship. Our loving and gracious Father, we rejoice once more for this great privilege we have of being in Your house today. And we have experienced grace again this week and the provision and protection of things 
seen and unseen by the sovereign hand of our Lord. And Father, we know that there is not a step that we take, there is not a thought that we have, there is not a temptation that comes against us, there is not a determination by the devil to bring us down, but Lord, all these things, they are known by our sovereign Lord. And Father, we are thankful that there is not a breath that we take that has not been given graciously provided for. And Lord, of all the temporal things that we have received, all the blessings, they are nothing compared to the great spiritual blessings we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful this morning for everyone here who has been born again by the Spirit of God. Lord, we know today that we love our Savior that our sins have been washed away by His own precious blood. And this morning, this very day and time, we have a standing in heaven that can never be erased, can never be taken away. We are secure in Christ for time and for all eternity. This is a wonder, Lord, that we cannot fully comprehend. Oh God, help us to enter in, to give our praise and our thanksgiving, to lift our voices, lift our hearts in worship. Dear God, meet with us today. Touch every believing soul. Father, wherever there is a need, meet that need, Lord, abundantly. It might be a practical need, It may be an emotional or a mental or spiritual need. Lord, pour out Your grace and power and help everyone who is in need this day. And dear God, we do ask for those in our meeting, those listening online, perhaps unsaved at this time. They have never come to taste of the salvation of our Savior then, Lord, bless them with an opening of their heart and mind. Bring them to the foot of the cross and save their precious, never-dying souls. Our Lord, remember those connected with our fellowship that are not well today, set aside either in hospital or in a senior's home, not able to be out. Lord, bless them some that are, have been prayed for many times, and we hold each one of them up again earnestly in prayer. Thankful today that our brother Cranston is preaching the Word again this morning, and we pray with thanksgiving for giving him a measure of health and strength. Lord, continue to strengthen your servant and bless him. We pray that you would watch over Reverend Bodner as he is still needing a touch, Lord, from Your hand today. Be with him. Remember our sister Serene. We pray for her. We ask, dear God, to bless our brother Ron. Remember our seniors. Help each one, we pray. And Lord, not only do we remember our own local congregation, 
But we pray, Father, for the ministries of those of our sister churches. Bless all of them. Be with every man that stands behind the pulpit today. Give power in the preaching of the Word, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Lord, may there be the sound of abundance of spiritual rain. Lord, bless us, we pray, with a genuine, holy work of the reviving of our hearts, of the moving of our, in our congregations, of the saving of sinners, and Lord, the building up of the church of Jesus Christ. We want, Lord, to be a vibrant, a bright witness for our God in our time. And we pray that not only as a corporate body, and not only as our denomination, but individually as your people, that we will be strong in Christ, that we will be equipped and enabled to be a bright witness for the Savior in a very dark time. Remember others, Lord, who are faithfully upholding the cause of Christ, faithfully standing on the Scriptures of truth. Lord, bless them abundantly and prosper them. Lord, we ask that You would expose false fire and false churches. Dear God, we know that there's never been a time where they have not existed, but it seems as we draw near toward the end, the last of the last days, there is much confusion, Lord, in the world today. Much is going out under the name of revival, of the name of glorifying the Lord, of the name of religion. Lord, expose every falsehood, we pray. And we ask that there would not be deception whereby people would be drawn in and confused. But Lord, call out Your own people in true salvation and help us to be a faithful light and a witness in our time. Hear, Lord, hear our prayer today. Remember our land, our nation. Remember our leaders. We pray for them. We pray first, Lord, for their salvation. For do they not need to be brought to Christ and to humble their heart to confess their sin? Yes, Lord, most definitely. Expose the hypocrisy. Turn their hearts away from evil and that they might do that which is right and true in our land. Lord, help us, we pray, in our day. Father, remember those who are suffering because of persecution, whether it is in our land or whether it is in those lands afar off where the gospel is not freely proclaimed. Father, help them, we pray, and bless our missionaries that are serving in places where there is religious persecution. We pray for Nepal, for Brother Paul Thapa, and for all the ministers that are working under him. Lord, bless them with great liberty and freedom and help them in their gospel outreach and ministry. Hear our prayer today, Lord, and bless us now as we continue to wait in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Let's stand, please, to sing. The Psalms are at the back of our book.
Amen. That's a shorter psalm, but it's a very excellent one as we are praying and thinking about the blessed unity that God commands upon His church and His people, that we might be unified in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and based upon His Word. We're going to read this morning a congregational reading from 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, one of the small epistles near the end of the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1, the first nine verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The Lord bless His Word to your heart today. The very last part of verse 4, it speaks about a reservation. You have most likely at some time or another been preparing and traveling on a trip, whether it was a road trip or some other kind of transportation that was taking you to your destination. Well, most times you would have made good preparation and you would have phoned ahead or emailed ahead to make your hotel reservation. But maybe some other times you've been on a road trip as I have and you thought, well, we'll not make the reservation. We'll just see how it goes when we get to that particular place. Well, I've had some very unfortunate circumstances where you've got there 
and you did not prepare or know that at that particular destination on that weekend there was some monstrous event going on there and every hotel for 10 miles in the vicinity is booked solid. Nothing's there. And so you have to then travel farther afield in order to find your reservation. And you thought back, it would have been a good idea to have made that reservation before we started out. Well, the Lord tells us here something very encouraging for us as His people, because we are told about the inheritance that we have in Christ, in glory, in heaven, an inheritance that is incorruptible, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Friend, if you are in Jesus Christ today, if you know Him, then you have not to fear or to worry that your place in heaven is going to be taken by someone else. You have no fear or worry that it's going to be canceled before your time of getting there. No. We have that absolute certainty. God has our name written on our door, on our reservation, on our mansion in glory, and that is reserved for us. Therefore, we need not fear. We will not arrive in heaven one moment before God's determined time, nor will we be late for it by one moment. What the Lord has purpose for us, He has called us to, and we can this day, as we sit here in time, in this year, in this place, we know that our God has a purpose for us and that we will arrive safe and secure in glory in the right time by God's great purpose. May the Lord bless His Word to us today as we have thought. A warm word of welcome to you all today. It is good to see you in the house of the Lord. It's good to see our sister Joan with us today. We've been praying much for our sister. Read the thank you note last Lord's Day. Uh, much appreciated. I know you are of all the prayers of God's people. And we're very happy that He's brought you safely through. And we continue to pray for you. And very happy to see our brother Richard with us in the service today, Richard Watson. As you folks know, we've been praying much for him and for many years for his dad, John, and for his dear mom, Thelma. And of course, as she has gone home now to be with the Lord, uh, Richard's been, of course, very much taking care of his mom at home, but we're very happy that he's able to be with us in the service today. And brother, we want to let you know we're encouraging you and praying for you and for your family at this time. And other visitors, we may not have your name, but you're very, very welcome. If you've come here for the first time or maybe you've come back again, we want you to know you're welcome in Jesus' name. And if you're online today with us, you're also very, very welcome. I mentioned in my prayer about Reverend Cranston. Well, he's preaching again today in Port Hope. I spoke with our brother this morning. I wanted just to say, brother, we're very much with you. We encourage you, and we want you to know we're remembering you in the Lord. And our brother Fraser will be going there again tonight to bring the word in Port Hope. And Brother Cranston hopes, he's hoping next Lord's Day he'll be able to take both services, but we'll wait and see just how that will go. But we pray that the Lord would keep his hand upon him. And I heard also yesterday from Dorothy Bodner that John is out of the hospital and back in the, well, the 
place where he is recuperating and uh, he seems to be better from the fluid that was on his lungs, been drained off, and he still is coughing quite a lot, but I know they'll greatly appreciate your prayers for him. Remember today also Brother Frank DiDerno. It's his final Lord's Day in Fredericton, and so remember our brother in your prayers today and the congregation there. Mentioned a couple of times about people who would like to volunteer for the Pregnancy Care Center. And if you would like to do that, see our brother Fraser, and he'll put your name on that list, and we can get that organized for the Pregnancy Care Center that is not too far away from us here in Scarborough. Remember, please, the services today, uh, 5.50, our pre-service prayer time, and our evening service at 6.30. And there will be a fellowship time following the evening service, as this is the final Lord's Day of the month. Plan to come along and be with us for that time tonight. Then on Tuesday evening, the ladies' Bible study on Zoom will continue. The monthly Bible study, that will be at 7 p.m. And if you would like to be on that, if you don't have the link yet, you could see our brother Jonathan McAnally, and he'll be sure that you get a connection there. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and then the gym fellowship on Friday night from 6 to 9. Everyone in the congregation is welcome to attend that gym fellowship. And then please remember our services for the next Lord's Day. Let's be in prayer for our presbytery time of prayer in May and also for the Young Adult Bible Conference we're having here in August 2023, and we'll give you more details about those, but please be in prayer about these two very important uh, meetings that we have coming up. We're going to sing another hymn to the Lord's praise, number 438, and we will stand to sing this hymn And let me remind you of the offering plate that is on the table when you leave today if the Lord would direct you for your tithes and offerings here. 438. Let's stand please to sing. Thank you. 
We're turning, please, in our Bibles this morning to John's Gospel, chapter 17. And while you're turning up there, let me just remind you of the latest edition of the Let the Bible Speak magazine that we have. And there is a theme that is running through this edition called Heaven's No Mores. And each of the article deals with things that will not be any longer in heaven. And I think you'll find that a very great encouragement. Pick up a copy of that as you leave today. And then when you're finished with it, you can pass it on to someone else. Reading this morning in John's Gospel, chapter 17, reading from verse 9 down to 26. Our Lord Jesus says, I pray for them, His people, I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me, for they are Thine, and all Mine are Thine, and Thine are Mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, And I come to Thee, Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou gavest Me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to Thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them Thy Word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that Thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that Thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. We'll end our reading there. I ask you to please bow in prayer. You might know the Lord's help and understanding in His Word just now. Father, help us, we pray today, to take from the Scripture the instruction that is so important for every one of us as Your people. Give help today to understand Thy Holy Word. Help me, Lord, to speak Thy Word faithfully and plainly. It's not about us, Lord. We must be reminded of that so often. And I pray that man will be hidden behind the cross of Christ so that no one would be seen except Jesus only. Help me to speak Thy Word faithfully 
with the unction of heaven, the power of the Spirit of God. And Lord, let there be a word in season, a word right to the heart of every single person listening to this message today. For we ask these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, He cares for and He nurtures us with a tender love. He nurtures us with a manner, with a content that is so very, very important. His praying people are brought to the throne of grace to pray on the promises that He has given to us. And though His followers, as Jesus would say, would be hated and maligned and persecuted by the world, because He said they're not of the world as He was not of the world, and yet the Lord Jesus wanted His joy to be full in them. When we come to John 17, it is holy ground. As our Lord's heart is being poured out in very touching intercession to His Father for His people. And our Lord Jesus, to reassure us that we are included in the prayer that He made for His disciples, in verse 20 of this chapter, He says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. So not the disciples only, but every single believer, every single Christian, until our Lord comes back to this world again. We are therefore included in the prayer request and petition that our Lord makes here. Now, there are two main prayer requests that our Lord makes in John 17. The first one is for His own name to be glorified. We found that in the opening verses, and we dealt with that several weeks ago. And when Jesus prays for His name to be glorified, He is saying that so that His Father may be glorified in all the work that He had sent His Son to do, in all that the cross meant and that He would fulfill, and in the death of the Savior, in His glorious resurrection from the grave, His name would be honored and glorified, and so the Father would also in heaven. That is the first main prayer request that He makes. And the second main prayer request is this, that His people would be kept by the Father. He would keep the ones given to Christ from before the foundation of the world. Now on the screen is going to be shown to you now 
the five sections or divisions of what this means and what the Savior prayed for when He was asking the Father to keep His children. First of all, in verse 11, that we would be kept in unity, and Jesus prayed that they may be one as we are, as the Father and the Son. And what a tremendous prayer, and what an unbelievable request that is, that we would be drawn together in the invisible body of Christ, those who are truly born again of the Spirit of God, that we would be one as Christ is one with His Father. But also Jesus prayed that we would be kept from evil in verse 17. We studied this a few weeks ago. That we would be kept, verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And then in verse 17, we want to look at that this morning, that we would be kept in holiness. And then tonight in our evening service, I want to look at these final two requests that are part of being kept in verse 24 and verse 26, that we'll be kept for glory, to be with Christ in glory, and that we will be kept in the love of God. We have considered the petitions considered in this very great chapter. And when we thought about that last Lord's Day, the desire that we would be with the Lord, but the Lord has a purpose for us to remain on earth here, and we notice the desire that every single Christian has to be with God. It's a natural, it's a normal desire, but yet Christ's purpose for us is to remain on earth. Why? So that we might be a witness, so that we will be salt and light, so that we will be able to pray and see His will fulfilled in us and in His church. And then our Lord's promise in that as well, that we'll be kept from the evil. And so today, as we think on verse 17 and focus on this verse of Scripture, let's think about this prayer that Jesus makes. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth, and the heart of this prayer is that we will be kept in holiness, in a holy walk with our God. Now it's striking that in the first request that comes from the lips of the Son of God for His people, we find it starting off in verse number 11. And now, He said, I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee, Holy Father. 
keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. It shows that we need to be kept because this is the very prayer that the Savior develops the whole majority of this intercession that He has with His Father. And in this keeping, let's be very clear, it shows us that we need to be kept by a power that is not of ourselves. It's something outside of us. The keeping is done by our Lord, by our God. And we know that we must be kept in salvation as we were brought into it by His grace. We also must be kept from sin and we have to be kept unto holiness. Now we know, as Jonah said in his Old Testament work, that salvation is of the Lord and that the gift that has been given to us, it did not come by our own ability, it did not come by our own power, and apart from divine power, that gift of salvation would be lost by us. We could not keep it. And the reverend title that we have in this very verse 11 here is a reverent title that Jesus prays to His Father in heaven. And He says, Holy Father, keep them. To declare that God is holy, we could say is a mammoth understatement. When Isaiah declared that the angels in the presence of God covered their faces when they cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God omnipotent. The whole earth, they said, is full of His glory. He was overcome, Isaiah was, with his own sinful corruption, and he confessed that his lips were unclean. He confessed that he was undone before a holy God. What does that mean? He meant that he was cut off. He was silenced. He was ultimately destroyed had it not been for the intervention of the Lord to save him at that time, our God, He is intrinsically holy, which means that the depth of His being and every facet of His existence is absolutely and totally holy. There is no molecule, we can't even use that word because a molecule has to do with physical things, but there is no particle, there is no element of anything that is unholy in Him. In every attribute that He possesses, He is totally, fully, comprehensibly the holy being 
that we know of as our God. And this title that our Lord Jesus Christ ascribes to His Father is the only place in the Bible that this phrase is used. It's not used to describe any other being, human, or divine. And in light of this, friends, is it not a blasphemous insult for a sinful man to take that title to himself as the Pope of Rome does? And in so doing, he leads multitudes of Roman Catholic people into sinful veneration. It's another evidence of how Satan goes about to deceive and to distract people, giving the sole worship that should be given to the God of heaven and placing it on someone else or someplace else. Listen to the words of Isaiah. He said, Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein shall he be accounted of? No, friend, when we are confronted with this word, with this phrase that is applied and can only be rightly applied to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, let us be very, very careful as we step out on that ground. And does it not reinforce to us again, as Christians, how careful we are to be with the use of God's name? Let us never use His name flippantly. Let us never use His name as a filler name, even in our own prayers, as we are prone to do at times. We don't like a gap in our prayer. So we will just drop the Lord's name in here or drop it in there. It's not to be, friends. Let us always be very careful. Let us always be very reverent as to how we are using the name of our God, for He is the Holy Father in heaven. And no one else, no other being, can take that name unto Himself. And so our Lord Jesus is praying that His Father would keep us. He would keep us in unity. He would keep us from the evil of this world. But He would keep us in holiness. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So I want us to think about the, the meaning of the word sanctify. The meaning of the word. Our Lord's prayer is that the Father would sanctify them through His truth. The word sanctify means to set apart it means to dedicate, to make clean, or to be clean. It is the essence of a separated 
life from unclean things, from the world, from all that is an offense unto God. But it is not only separation from sinful things. Oh, my dear friends, it is much more. It is separation unto holy things. Let's not forget that, because as Christ is praying that of His people, it is a full-orbed sanctifying that Jesus is praying about. And it's very clear to us that the word sanctification is but the extension of this word. So in the Christian life, we are called to be separated from our old ways, our old sinful ways, our old ways when before we were saved. We have been brought into Christ. We are called, therefore, to walk in a new pathway, a new walk, a new life. We're under new management, and therefore we should show that we have a new lifestyle, a new way about us. We are called to leave our old ways We have already studied that the Lord Jesus did not pray for us to be taken out of the world, but to be kept from the evil in the world. And the very meaning of sanctification then comes under that category. And from the time of our conversion, when we were saved by the sovereign grace of God, and we were justified freely by the blood of the Lord Jesus applied to us, we were called then to strive against sin. We were called to crucify our flesh and to walk before God and the world blamelessly. That's no easy mark to come up to, but that's exactly what we have been called to do by the Lord. And though our separate walk in Christ is a lifelong growth in grace, we know that we are not working at that time. We're not working to obtain our salvation or our justification. Make that very clear. The justification that occurred in our life when we were saved happened once, and it happened fully and completely. And it was the work of God's grace in us applying the holy and righteousness of our Lord Jesus to us so that now God sees us as we are justified. And I have mentioned to you recently that when you were first saved, you were fully justified. And when you come to the end of your life, if you live a long time on this earth and you come just before you're ready to go into heaven, you're not more justified then than you were when you were first saved. Because the Lord sees that as a finished act, completed, done. But our sanctification is totally different. And that's why people get into some trouble, some difficulty theologically when they blur these two definitions together. Our sanctification is also a work of God's grace, but it is part of the process of the working out of our own salvation. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit teaches us through Paul in Philippians chapter 2, for he says, 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So God is at work in us. There is a process taking place. You are not perfect in your human Christian walk yet, though God sees us in a glorified state. And what the Lord sees and what He is working will leave in His hands, but we also realize that we have our Christian responsibility. We are called to walk in love, to walk in holiness, and to walk in the fear of the Lord. Our sanctification is not an option for the Christian. It is the will of God for every one of us. So don't let the devil try to trick you and say, oh, it's good, I'm saved now. It really doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't matter what I do or where I go. I'm under Christian liberty. I can do what I like. That is another lie of the devil, friend. Don't listen to that deception and let him trick you into thinking you're liberated now. You're free to live as you please. You are free from your sin, but you are free and liberated now to walk in the love and honor and glory and holiness of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we all have to be honest, don't we? Sometimes we get a bit lazy, careless. The old carnal side comes out. And we will at times pander or we will make excuses as to why it's okay to feel the way we are and why, well, we have our own justification for doing it. After all, if everybody else knew what I was going through in my life, if they knew what was coming down the pipeline for me, I'm allowed a little bit of license here. And that's how the devil deceives. And that's how he will take us down a pathway that is very deceitful and wrong. Friends, let's never forget, yes, we have been saved. Yes, we have a divine nature in us. But we still have the old nature that's part of our flesh. And our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And when we come to lean upon our old way, our old nature, we will find it's a broken stick. And it will always lead us down the wrong pathway. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the first three verses, if you want to turn up there, I want to read these to you. They are essential in connecting with what we're talking about here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, Furthermore, then, Paul is writing, We beseech you, brethren, and exhort you. So there is a a double-pronged emphasis that Paul's making to these people. Don't miss that. He said, I exhort you. I've exhorted you other times, but I'm exhorting you. I beseech you. He wants their attention. I beseech you and exhort you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have followed after me. For you know the commandments we gave you by our Lord Jesus. For this is 
the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. This is your sanctification in the will of God. So the Lord's will for our life is that we will see the prayer that Jesus offered in John 17, that it will be fulfilled, that we will be sanctified, that we'll be set apart. Our sanctification is part of the process that we will go through. And the apostle here says that one prominent aspect of it is to abstain from fornication. This is not a nice topic to speak about. And you might wonder, well, why Paul, writing to a church about very precious things like salvation, precious doctrinal matters of the cross of Christ, precious things about the glorious return of Jesus to this world again, why would he take up the subject of fornication? But there it is. And we better listen well and take heed. It was because the sanctification of the believer is paramount in God's plan for us to be conformed to Him and to be remade in His holy image that He deals with this very real problem. There are different forms of fornication, spiritual, mental, and physical. For example, Israel in the Old Testament was guilty of spiritual fornication and adultery when they left the Lord and they worshipped other gods, which is something we can also fall in today, uh, Christians that is, because if we allow something or someone to come between us and God, it is idolatry. We are setting up another God before the Lord, and therefore we are guilty of spiritual fornication. But there is also fornication of the mind, and it's brought on by the lust of the flesh, which is always a stepping stone to the physical act. And so, believer, we all must beware. For too many Christians have fallen into this sin and have ruined their testimonies for Christ by sexual activity before marriage, by being impure in the marriage, unwanted pregnancies, innocence is lost among those before they are married, shame upon the family, damaged and broken relationships, to say nothing of the damage to the gospel itself. And so it's a word for all of us here, young and old, to beware. This exhortation comes by the Holy Spirit to God's church. It came to people who were going on with God, the Thessalonian church. Paul has many positive things to say about those people, 
but there's a word of warning. I exhort you. I beseech you. It applies to all forms of moral uncleanness, from things that are read, things that are watched, careless internet habits led many Christians into a cesspool of mental fornication, which we know the sin of the mind, sin of the heart. The price is very high for what would seem to be a momentary gratification. So what does Paul and how does he exhort young Timothy? He said to him, flee youthful lusts. For if there is one way that Satan will try to ruin your testimony, it will be through this sin. Believer, beware. Christian, beware. In 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16, Peter says, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation of your behavior, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Peter quotes that from the Old Testament. And again in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says that every one of you may know how to possess his vessel, his body, in sanctification and honor. We're talking all about sanctification here. This is the prayer that Jesus is praying. So it's, it's right with all its application here. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He's called us to be sanctified. He has called us to be pure. He's called us to be set apart. He's called us to be different in our thinking, in our will, our motives, and most definitely in our actions. Mr. Ryle wrote, More holiness is the very thing to be desired for all servants of Christ. Holy living is the great proof of the reality of Christianity. Who that is really taught of God can fail to know that holiness is happiness and that those who walk with God most closely are always those who walk with Him most comfortably. It is true that not all Christians will battle the same temptations. But be sure of this. The devil knows where you can stumble and fall. He knows where I can stumble and fall. Because he has years, thousands of years of cunning and subtle behavior, and he's determined to see to it that we do not obey the Lord in our personal separated life or in our corporate church life. He wants to see us compromised. He wants to see your personal life compromised. The devil wants to see our church compromised and going down the wrong road. And what are we to do? Well, I say to you, friend, be of good courage. You are a believer. 
For when we find that there is no help and no strength within ourselves, and we are weak and we have failed many times, there is one in glory who is praying for us today. Our Savior is holding up your name to His heavenly Father, and He is saying, Lord, sanctify my child. Set apart my loved one. Make them holy as I, Lord, your Son, holy. And keep them, O God, keep them. And this prayer, you and I should make it our prayer. Say, if the Lord prayed it, Father, I'm going to pray it as well. Sanctify me in my life. Keep me from sin. Let the power of the Spirit of God and the might of the Lord's Spirit be upon me. So we thought in the first place today about the meaning of sanctify. The second thought we leave with you is this. What about the map for this sanctification? Through thy truth, he said, thy word is truth. So how are we to be sanctified? Some people think, well, you've got to dig down deeper into your own Christian experience, and you just got to do better. You've you got to rustle up somehow from within you, I'm just not going to sin anymore. I'm just going to do better. How do we get to that destination without a map? We would be lost. And we must see that the map that we have is the very Word that Jesus has spoken. It is the truth of God. It is the Word that He has blessed us with. Some of you will know what a schematic drawing is. It's an electrical drawing that is very important for technicians who are trying to follow closely how they're going to map out and either wire a building, a house, or some electronic and if they don't follow it closely, it will lead to wrong signals. It will lead to short circuits. It will lead to potential damage of systems and of lives. And so, if you don't follow that map carefully, you're going to be in trouble. At road maps, if you can find a paper one these days, you're doing well. They're like ancient history now. Everything's on your phone or your device. And the GPSs are very, very helpful. They help us to get to a destination. And how many times have people, maybe I'm talking to someone here, maybe myself, that we've thought, we don't need a map. We can get there. I know how to get there. I know that. And someone will give you some directions and you'll find it. I'll just go on the road and we'll get there eventually. And you'll find yourself in, mixed up in a maze of streets downtown somewhere. You don't know where you are. Or you're out in a country road, dark, at a dead end. And you haven't a clue where you are. You're lost. Should have, should have made that reservation. Should have got the map. Should have looked at it. Should have plotted out the course. Well, what has God given to us through His Word but the map because He knows we can't find our own way. The Lord brought us into Christ by His sovereign power, and He knows that without His written revelation, we would be lost in this life. So we need His Word. 
His word has been communicated to His church right from the beginning. Either He communicated it by a verbal communication or through vision or dream in the Old Testament as He spoke through prophets and teachers, or He has now finalized it, codified it in the finished canon of the Word of God. We have it before us. And Jesus said, Lord, sanctify them through Thy truth, for Thy Word is truth. And the Bible provides for us the answer that we need to survive all of the pitfalls and the temptations of Satan and how we are to live to the glory and to the honor of our Father in heaven. And what has the Lord given to us through His Word? He has given to us exceeding great and precious promises, but in order to benefit from those promises, we must know them. And the most common way to learn them is going to be by reading the Bible and by listening to it. The GPS systems that we have today, they're becoming much more advanced, and they will not only tell you the fastest route to get to your destination, they'll also tell you about obstacles. There are, there's a traffic accident on your route. It'll slow you down by five minutes or something. Uh, it'll tell you about accidents that are on the road. It'll even tell you where there is a speed trap or a traffic light if you needed to know that, and I hope you don't, uh, but if you needed to know that, you know they're on there as well. And of course, if you get a little bit distracted, let's suppose you take a wrong turn. What does the GPS do? It immediately begins to recalculate, and it will tell you the fastest way to get back on the fastest route that you went off. And if you are going completely in the wrong direction, it'll tell you, turn around when it's safe and get back on that route. And what does the Lord's Word do for us? It is exactly the same thing, friends. The Lord will tell us this is the fastest route to get to your destination of holiness. It's all here. You pay attention. You read it. You find. If we veer off and we go astray, the Lord will be saying to us, back on track recalculating your journey. You've got to do a complete 180. Get back on the track. But you know, as long as you ignore the GPS and you keep going on your road, you're going to get more and more lost, be farther away from your destination. But the GPS is always tracking you. And eventually when you wake up from your somber or your foolishness, it will say what you have to do if you will listen and follow and the Lord's the same way. It doesn't matter, friend, how far you've gone away from the Lord, and maybe in your heart you're distant from God today. Maybe the whole application of this word to you this morning is, the preacher's preaching at me. Well, if you think that, good. Take the application from the Lord today, and it's time to get back on the fastest route that God has for you, that you will be sanctified, and you will be holy as He is holy in that process that He is working out in our lives. Friends, don't ignore it today. Now is the accepted time for salvation if you're out of Christ, and now is the accepted time for you to get back on track if you found yourself that you're away from the Lord today. God has said in His Word, if we walk in the light, 
as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That is His steering back to get on course. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friend, this is a word for us all today. The Lord has promised to lead us into all truth. He has given us the fountainhead of truth, His Word. And when the Holy Spirit illuminates His Word to our minds and we mix that Word, we take it by faith, it becomes clear and we know the path that we must follow. But we also must be obedient to Him. If we keep resisting the Lord and keep resisting Him, His providential redirections will become harder and harder, more firm, more direct. And ultimately, we can thank Him for that. Lord, don't let me go astray. Remember, I used the illustration of the dog and the leash. Let's pray, Lord, keep that leash taut. Keep it close to Your side. We don't want to go astray. Because God's Word, it is truth, friend. And if any man desires to know the truth and he comes to the Word of God seeking God, he will discover by divine grace that that truth can make him free. Free from the bondage of fornication. Free from the bondage of the internet corruption. Free from the vices that bind the mind and the heart. There is liberty and freedom But friend, you must bring yourself to submit obediently to God's Word and pray that He will help you. He will redirect you. John Huss, the Bohemian reformer who was martyred for his faith in the year 1415, he said these words, Seek the truth, Hear the truth, learn the truth, love the truth, guard the truth till death, for the truth shall make you free. And he was drawing that from John 8 and verse 32, where Jesus said those words, the truth shall make you free, free from the vice of sin, free to serve Him, free to live above this world, free to understand and know the joy of not only what sanctify means, but the map to our sanctification. And I finish with this this morning. The method to see it all accomplished. How will this be done? How is the Christian to be sanctified? Yes, we have the Word but it is going to be through that Word. It is going to be the Word of God in our minds and in our hearts and being our spiritual food. We need the nutrients of the Word of God. If we are in Christ, who is the vine, and we are the branches, the branch will get its fruit, its sustenance will bear its fruit from being connected to the vine And all that comes from the vine comes to the branch. We are the branches. We need that 
vitality from our Lord. And we will get that through His truth, through His Word. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit who takes the Scriptures and applies them to our hearts. He teaches us. He instructs us. He convicts us. He directs us. He rebukes us. And He encourages us. And all of that is taken from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Friends, in conclusion today, let us therefore give devoted attention to the reading, to the memorizing, to the studying of His holy Word. Let us commit God's truth to our heart. Let us hold the Scriptures in very high esteem, submitting ourselves to its authority in our lives, in our families, in our businesses, in our church. Let us esteem the Scriptures highly. We cannot treat the Word of God as some secondary place in our life. We must hold the Scriptures in obedient faithfulness. And let us also pray that the Spirit will personally apply His Word to our hearts and change us into the image, the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every day. Don't say, well, I hope, Lord, you'll do something in this next year. Let us pray, Lord, I'll hope you do something in me before this service is out, before this day is finished, before I take my next breath. Lord, reinforce the truth of Your Word in my heart. And then finally, that we will never engage in any activity that will bring shame upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, as we pray over these matters, the Lord will do His work in us. If that's your desire, and I know it is if you're a believer, then you'll be able to say, Lord, I am called unto holiness. Church of our God, purchase of Jesus redeemed by His blood, called from the world and its idols to flee, called from the bondage of sin to be free. This is our closing hymn this morning, and we're going to turn there and sing that just now. Number 226. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
Friend, if you're not a believer today, you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus, I say to you now, look unto Him by faith. Confess your sin to Him. You will find He is more willing and ready to receive you than you are even to ask. He is a forgiving Lord and Savior. Call upon Him where you are now. And maybe, friend, you backslidden to some degree. You know your own heart. If you're here in the church or you're listening online, call out to the Lord. Repent of your backslidings and say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And the Lord will hear and he will answer. Father, take your holy word today, we pray, and write it on all our hearts. Save some soul restore some backslider. But Lord, for all of us, we pray, keep us on track. Keep us, O God, on the fastest route, the most direct course that we will be made like our Lord Jesus. So hear this prayer. Part us, Lord, now in Your fear and with Your rich blessing And bring us back again to the house of prayer and praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.